everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And today, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline where I'm headed today. I want to give you seven reasons for practicing Sabbath. Uh, when I say the word Sabbath, that might conjure up any one of a number of images in your head. I grew up on a uh, farm in the middle of Kansas, and on uh, we had cows to milk and chores to do, and the cows didn't know if it was Sunday. I hope you understand that, okay? And so we had a lot of things we had to get done, and then we would all uh, pile in a station wagon, if you still remember what those things are. There were six kids, and I was number six, and so I had to sit in the way back. But every now and then, if I didn't get my... Uh, hair combed right. My mom would try to lick my hair down on the way to church. Does anybody remember that? Okay. Some of you just did that this morning. Anyway, but the idea is that uh, we would just pile in, get to church, you know, things. And a lot of times we'd come screaming in on two wheels and, and, and uh, you know, flying into a parking lot. And we'd run up to the door and then we'd get to the door. And it's like my mom would go, okay, everybody act natural. Everybody act normal. Okay. Uh, this is the Lord's day. Um, Well, all too often, Sabbath can kind of conjure those images of us rushing to a worship service, and maybe that's all it is. Others of us, though, Sabbath is something that was an amazing thing. It was a day that was set apart for the family to worship, the family to pray, the family to get still. I don't know. I mean, there could be a huge spectrum there, but today I want to talk with you about why one of the Ten Commandments is to observe the Sabbath and why God would want us to have one day in seven set aside to rest and worship Him. It's important for our emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Today, I want to talk with you about it. Would you have a word of prayer with me, please? Lord, I just thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, you did not build us, you did not create us to be working machines. You made us in such a way that we are to live as your children and to follow you. And you gave us commandments so we wouldn't tear ourselves apart or wear ourselves out. So today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and teach us some things we need to remind ourselves of about the importance of Sabbath keeping. I do know it's 2017, and uh, this seems like an old-fashioned doctrine, but it's vital to our health. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd remind us today of why uh, you created the Sabbath and how it applies to us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you need a pen, just raise your hand. One of the ushers will be glad to bring one to you. Um, But as you can see in the outline here, point A is God wants us to practice Sabbath. Uh, Exodus 20, when Moses is receiving uh, the commandments from God, he received the commandments on tablets of stone. I mean, so you could say he received a hard copy, a very hard copy, okay, which is true. But here's what it says regarding the Sabbath. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day. A day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. And that's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. That's why. Sometimes we hear, well, the Lord gave us a Sabbath day because work is terrible and he gives you one day off. Well, the truth is, if you actually read, though, you go back to Genesis when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, He rested on the seventh day after he'd created things, and Adam and Eve were told to tend and take care of the garden, do their work. They were having a Sabbath day before. This was this. All those commands were given before the fall, before sin ever even entered the world. And so, this is something that just—it's just the way we're designed. And you can read study after study and. 
disturbing observation and statistical analysis one after the other about how we live in a day when we've had more electronic conveniences, more opportunities uh, for rest than we've ever had before, but we're not taking them. Did you know there was a study done that on average we sleep uh, less, we sleep less, two hours less than people did a hundred years ago? Every night, on average. I mean, think about this. Our great, great grandparents slept more than we did, and they were chopping wood to keep warm. And so what happens is we are filling our lives with activity and organization, and we are working longer, and we're staying up later, and we're not getting enough rest. What if there was at least one day every week where we could hit reset? One day where we could pause and we could say, hey, I want to get my priorities right. I want to get right with God. I want to make sure I'm relating to my family. I want to get enough rest. I want to think about the week ahead so I can hit the ground running come Monday morning. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? That's the note in your outline. God wants us to have a day like that, and he wants us to delight in practicing the Sabbath and not see it as a burden. He wants us to delight in it. I'm glad I'm talking about this on Memorial Day weekend because most of us have the day off tomorrow. And most of us, when we have the day off tomorrow, we're going, yes, I got a day off. I got a day when I can do some things I've wanted to do. I got some time. I got a cookout planned with the family. Man, we're going to spend some time together. I got some extra time. I could maybe sleep in, get some more rest. Why would it take a holiday? I mean, we love holidays, and I'm grateful for them. Well, God says, hey, you don't have to wait just for holidays. And there are holidays given in the Bible, too. But this was supposed to be something we observe every week to make sure we don't run ourselves into the ground. We don't fly apart. The Bible says this, keep the Sabbath day holy. This is Isaiah 58. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight. And if you'd circle the word delight there as the Lord's holy day. I mean, if we have set aside time each week to repurpose and refocus and re-energize, well, my goodness, then that is something we go, that is wonderful. It's kind of like saving up money for a vacation. And you've got it all paid for before you ever leave. And then when it comes time to pay for the plane fare or to make the hotel reservations, no problem. You pay for it. And then you go on the vacation and you can delight in it. Instead of swiping the credit card going, Oh, man, I hope we figure out a way to pay for this. That's stress. But if you have it set aside in advance, well, you can delight. The same way with our time. What if we set aside one day out of seven every week? And we'll give you a bunch of reasons, things we can do with that in just a moment. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, Mark 2, 27. If you're expecting a long list of legalistic things that I have to do every Sunday type of thing. You're not going to get that here. What you are, though, is you're going to get some principles. You're going to get seven principles or seven reasons why we need to keep the Sabbath. And I hope it encourages us and reminds us of what God wants for us. He wants us to be rested and refreshed and focused on him. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. And we need time with him. I mean, my goodness, If you start looking just on any newspaper or any website, you can find articles on coping with stress and uh, the pressures of everyday life and how the world just seems to come rushing at you like wild animals come Monday morning. Wouldn't it be great if we had one day before the week ever started where we could just say, 
I'm going to be still and listen for a little bit. I'm going to get right with God right now. And I've set aside time to do that. Well, that would be delightful. And that's the idea of Sabbath. So here are seven reasons for practicing Sabbath. Um, this was, I came out of a conversation I had with somebody years ago. They said, can you give me one good reason to observe the Sabbath? I said, I'll give you seven. That's what happens when you come into John Schmidt's office and ask him a Bible question. You'll get more than you want. Okay, anyway. So, number one, Sabbath gives us a time to worship. Now, I'm preaching to the choir here. I mean, it's a holiday weekend, and y'all are here for a worship service. So, good job. You got number one checked off. Got it done. But even that, I hope you don't look at worship as something to check off. Okay, did that. Now I can get my microwave in heaven when I die. Okay, I'm good. That's not the way it works. Worship is a chance for us to come together. We've set aside time. If we are busy and hurried, and sometimes I don't have time to work. Look, we're supposed to worship God all through the week. But we get busy and hurried. I mean, if you're at the stage of life when you're hauling kids to soccer practice and you're doing laundry and you're paying bills and somebody's working on a master's degree and, I mean, life is rushed. And we can say, oh, I wish I would have had more time to worship God this week. But what if one day a week we guaranteed we would have time? Time to sit in the presence of the Lord, get some of the best musicians to lead in our congregation to lead us to get a time where we could get together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we could sing God's praises. Listen to how David talked about this, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Somebody came up to me a couple months ago. They said, you know what I like about coming to worship? And I said, no, what do you like? And they said, sometimes I feel like it's like an oasis. My life is so, I feel so dried out. And then I come on Sunday, it's like, Somebody just douses me with water, and I just feel refreshed. And I told him, well, you just described the beginning of Psalm 63. My soul is parched. And if you came here this morning, I hope that as you hear God's word and as we sing God's praises together, you leave here going, I'm glad I came. My soul was hungry for that. That's the idea of when we gather for corporate worship here. And to make a time where this is on my calendar every week, I don't want to go weeks and months parched. I don't want to go weeks and months without meeting with the Lord. I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Oh, how I praise you. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. That's why every part of our worship services, we have songs of joy. That's why we sing. So why do we sing? We sing because We're created for this. God created us to worship. Our souls long to worship him. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122.1. Imagine if we would set aside time every week to make sure we never went more than a week without getting together to praise the Lord. Well, that would be delightful. Yeah. That's one good reason for Sabbath. Here's another one. Sabbath gives us time to rest. Time to take a nap. Can anybody invent anything better than a good nap? I don't know. I love a good nap. So, yeah, there's amens. Look at that. I always have to beg for amens. I say nap, it comes spontaneously. I love that. Okay. Hey, 
listen to this, Deuteronomy 5. So the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 20. They're given again in Deuteronomy 5. Exodus 20 is when Moses read them the first time, when he got them the first time. Deuteronomy 5 is right before they went in the Promised Land, 40 years later. Listen to how he talks about the Sabbath rest in Deuteronomy 5. Remember, you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. And so Moses added this. In between them, God had been feeding them with manna. It was food that would appear every morning. It was food from heaven. And they would go out and gather it six days a week. On the sixth day, they'd gather twice as much because on the seventh day, there wouldn't be any. God didn't even want them to have to go gather food that day. But he told Moses this. He said, hey, look, tell the people on the sixth day they can gather twice as much. I'm not going to give them anything on the seventh. Tell them not to go out and look for it on the seventh day. So guess what happened on the seventh day? They went out and looked for it. And this is why Moses is addressing this. He goes, you were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. You didn't know anybody. Your parents didn't know anybody. Your great-great-grandparents didn't know anybody who'd ever had a day off, ever. The Lord rescued you from slavery. He's even going to give you twice as much food on the day before the Sabbath. And now you still want to go out and work anyway. And it's like God in heaven is going, Ugh, what do I got to do with these people? And Moses is going, hey, that's why he gave you the Sabbath day. You're not a working machine. You don't have to work seven days a week. Now, if that's going to happen, open up your outline. If we're going to do this, then Sabbath requires trust. Because some of you might be thinking this already, and the Bible plainly addresses this. If I'm going to, and it's why we started with worship first, because if I'm going to take a Sabbath day, then I have to trust God. The first paragraph deals with God's protection. The second verse there deals with God's provision. God's going to protect me, and God's going to provide for me if I actually take a day off. I mean, while they were resting out there in the middle of the wilderness, remember the Egyptians had chased them all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. That God was going to be the one who protected them, and that God was going to be the one who provided for them. Here's a verse on protection. Psalm 62. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. I mean, see, the reason that I'm going to be able to take a Sabbath day is to trust that God's going to provide and protect. Here's the provision verse. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said that. I mean, can we take a day off? John, you don't understand. It's a dog-eat-dog world. I mean, if you're going to be a company, you've got to stay open 24-7. I mean, we all know restaurants like Chick-fil-A, they'll never make it. And uh, No, seriously, this is why they do it. They're closed on Sunday, in case you haven't noticed. Some of you are going to drive there afterward. Oh, and they're not open. They take the day off. They want, their, they want all their employees to have a day of rest. Now think about this. We live in a world where a lot of things now are 24-7. We've got to work. Got to work faster. Got to work more. Never rest. Just go, 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 go. If you don't go get it, somebody else will. That's why i got to work all the time. Or we can say, no, the Lord is my strong tower. He'll protect me. He'll provide for me. Now you're back to worship. 
this was really put to the test in the agricultural community where I grew up. I told you we'd do the chores and go to church. Well, we went to church during harvest season. This was an agricultural community that these commandments were given to. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but a harvest season, might, the harvest window where you get the maximum yield from the crop, it's probably only seven, ten days. That window to get the crop in. Well, what if you have a Sabbath day or two during that period? Now what? Because if you go and worship God and take your rest, what if it rains and hails that night and the crop is laid flat? See, if you'd have just gone and gotten it done, you'd have gotten it in. And this was always the test would God provide. Was it worth honoring him? Remember, that was a big deal, whether we were going to go to church. When I was a kid, would you go during harvest time? And there were messages that were talked about this. Are we going to trust God or not? Is this all up to us? It's a real question. And I loved it because my parents said, well, no, we're going to go and worship the Lord. That doesn't make any difference whether it's harvest season or not. It's a powerful model that was set for me. So Sabbath gives us time to worship, gives us time to rest. Thirdly, Sabbath gives us time to prioritize and gain perspective. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Numbering your days. How many days do I have left? How much time do I have? And what am I doing with my time? You could, I mean, that's the whole idea of prioritize here. I mean, all of us, whether we like to admit it or not, we all have 24 hours a day. It's just that some of us seem to get a lot more done in those 24 hours. Have you ever noticed that? And it's not a question of how much time we have. It's what are we doing with the time we have? And we have to always come back to this. What if there was a day, a day not just to worship God, a day not just to rest, but what if there was a day when we had time, we could sit down and even go over our calendars, sync the calendars with other people in our family, where we could make a list of things I want to make sure I get done a letter I need to write, a phone call I need to make, a visit to a friend. I mean, what if I did this and I numbered my days? I've only got time this week for a few things, but these are three things I want to make sure get done so I don't just do urgent things and cut out the important things. Because my goodness, I mean, you know, uh, Charles Hummel wrote in a great article, you could Google this, it's called Tyranny of the Urgent, and I would commend it to you. It's a marvelous article over just this principle. But one of the things that's contained in there is, he said, think about it this way. If you receive $24, I'm kind of adapting an illustration from there, but if I received $24 uh, and I had that in my pocket and I was going to a hardware store or a home improvement store like Lowe's or Home Depot, and I go in there and I know that I've got uh, a room that I need to paint. The good news is it's Memorial Day weekend. They got a gallon of the paint I need. It's on sale for $20. I haven't got Money left over if a brush is on sale to buy a new brush. So I can get the paint and the brush and I can get the work done. I've got plenty of money. But I walk in the store and if you don't know me, you don't know that I love Lowe's or Home Depot. And there's a new gadget in there every time. There's a new pocket knife with 11 blades I've never used before, but I'm sure I need them now. Okay? And so there might be a screwdriver set that's on sale or some new kind of energy-saving light bulb or some other doodad. And I could go in and go, you know, I'm going to need these or I'm going to need those. And I've spent five bucks here and six bucks here. And now all of a sudden I don't have enough money for the paint. So I come home and my wife would go, well, are you going to get the room painted today? I didn't have enough money, but I got screwdrivers and light bulbs. 
she will not be understanding. Could everybody understand that she would not be understanding? Well, now imagine I have 24 hours, and I've got something I need to get done, but before doing the things I'm going to get done, I've got to make sure that I comment on dessert last night and the picture I posted. That certainly is a lot of whipped cream, okay? I've got to watch five, I have to take in five cat videos before I get anything done today. And we can, spend, we can waste hours watching television, responding to all kinds of things that aren't important at all. And then we get to the end of the day, and all the things that were important got booted by something that was fun, maybe, or maybe something that was just urgent. Somebody says, i got to hear about this right away. Not necessarily. But what if I had a day to number my days rightly? What if I had a day to get perspective? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise Him again, my Savior and my God. I mean, again, this is why we sing those songs of praise to remind ourselves, because what can happen is, not only do we get physically tired, we get emotionally tired during the week. And it's so good to come into the house of the Lord and remind ourselves, God is in control. God is bigger than any problem I'm going to face this week. If you agree with that statement, would you say amen? Well, I need to be reminded of that. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Would you read that with me, please? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I'll praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now think about that. And that's why, but what if we had a day every week where we get refocused and repurposed and reprioritized? We'd go, well, this is delightful. I don't have to go into next week crash landing into Monday, needing a half a pot of coffee just to wake up. I mean, what if? What if? Sabbath gives us time to pray. Don't worry about anything. This is the fourth reason on your outline. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. And you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you want to have peace, again, I mean, we live busy lives. We go, oh, I've, I prayed about this, but I really didn't have enough time the other day. I was just so exhausted. I fell asleep and other things. What if I had time to take a nap? What if I'd already had time to worship? What if I had time to write out some things I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure how it was going to fit in my calendar? Well, what if I had time on Sunday? What if I took time to pray? Like I scheduled some time. This is prayer time. I can meet with God. I can pray about my calendar. I can pray about my priorities. I can pray about the things that I meant to pray for, but I didn't have time to during the week. And what if God recognized that, that we're ordinary human beings, and it would be great if we could have a day when we get caught up on all that? I mean, what if? And what if he commanded us to do exactly that? I mean, what if? Well, that would be delightful. That's the idea of Sabbath. But here's a note here. Effective prayer requires time and space free of distractions. We're going to have to unplug from these things. It's really funny. That article from Charles Hummel was written decades ago, and he was talking about your home is no longer your castle. There are things called telephones on the walls, and people can reach you now on a telephone. He never dreamed of the Internet. And the chime going off in the middle of the night, 94 emails, because we all have got to get a vitamin that's on sale or whatever, the, you know, the 
Somebody's pushing at us. When you pray, Jesus said, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. He was teaching his disciples how to pray. I think we'd add today, go to a room, close the door, turn off your phone, and pray. Tell God what's on your heart. He knows what you need before you ask. The idea is for us to focus on him. And what if we had time? But who has time for that? What are you talking about? I got all day. I can put a half an hour in the day. I can put an hour in the day where it's just going to be quiet. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to make a list of the things that are priorities for me and saying, God, you've got to help me with these things this week. What if we did that? Now you know the motivation for Sabbath. It's delightful. Think how delightful that would be. I'm rested. I've prayed about stuff. I've got peace in my heart before the week begins. Sabbath gives us time to build relationships. Acts 2.46, right after the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost Sunday, thousands of people were added to the church. And here's the way the church started out. They worshiped together at the temple each day in Jerusalem. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And you go, well, yeah, John, I mean, that was the beginning, but they didn't maintain that forever. Oh, that's correct. I mean, a few decades later, here's Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Yeah, I mean, they lived, the people being written to, the Hebrews being written to, were people who had been scattered by persecution. They went all over the place. And some people had just stopped meeting together at all. Okay, so I don't have time to meet together with other Christians every day. Okay, but what if there was at least one day a week when we could? Not just for worship, but many of you have a connect group that meets on Sunday evenings. Great! Hey, what if there was a time to build relationships with others where, hey, there's a neighbor down the street. I sure would love to get to know them. I'd love it if we could have them over for dessert and coffee. Or I'd love it if we could go and grab a bite to eat with them. Well, who has the time? What if we did that on the Sabbath day? A day dedicated to rest. A day dedicated to doing what God wants us to do. We could schedule that on a Sunday evening. Or a Sunday lunch. Why not? We can invite them to come to worship and go to lunch afterward. I mean, think about how this could work. Well, that would be delightful. I got time to meet with my neighbors. I got time to meet with my Christian friends. I have time to rest. I have time to pray. I have time to worship God undistracted. And this is what the Lord wants for us. Not just once in a while, not once in a blue moon, but every week. He wants us to be emotionally healthy and physically strong. He wants us to be spiritually strong too. Number six, Sabbath gives us time to listen. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Martha, however, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. 
But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. It will not be taken away from her. You know what Mary was doing? She was waiting for instructions from Jesus. She wasn't worried about details. She took time to wait for instructions for Jesus, from Jesus. Now again, all these things I'm in this list, I'm discovering in this covering in this list aren't things that have to be just on a Sabbath day. But wouldn't it be great if we'd been rushed this week and we'd missed some of our devotional times if on Sunday we could get caught up? And I had that time in prayer, but I also had some time just to read in the Bible, maybe even have a discussion with the family about a biblical topic. And what would happen if I just had time? Turned this thing off, sat down, and just listened. Here's a note, though. In order to listen, we must choose to be still. And we are terrible at that these days. Get in the car, turn on the radio. Get home, turn on the TV. Go anywhere, you're on the phone. Constantly. I saw a thing the other day. It said that the number of times, the average number of times somebody opened their iPhone during the day was 80. Eight zero times. 80. That's a lot. We're constantly checking our emails, constantly checking our voicemails, constantly, constantly trying to be entertained or amused, and our minds are never still. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Wait patiently for Him to act. And then listen to this verse, Isaiah 30, 15. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. I mean, think about it if we did this in other areas, in other relationships in our lives. We just didn't listen. I mean, I got busted in this just a few days ago with my wife. She was telling me about something, and I was looking at something on my phone, and she goes, what did I just say? And I said, I don't know. I was just captivated by your beauty. I, I, I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> you can try that one. It'll get you out once. Okay, it's only good for one try. No, I had no idea what she said. Hand me the phone. Start over. You know what my wife wants in a conversation? She wants me to listen. You know what God wants in a conversation with us? He wants us to listen. How am I going to listen if I never look away from this? How am I going to listen if the TV's always on? How am I going to listen if I'm never... Still. Who has time to be still? I do. You do. If we have a Sabbath day, I'm making time. This is a priority. Now look, think about this. We got today and most of us a holiday tomorrow. Think if we took time to be still today. Time to pray. Time to listen. Finally, number seven. Sabbath gives us time to be restored. We get run down. This didn't happen just to people. It also even happened to the land. Leviticus 25, God told the Israelites, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. He told Moses to pass this on. When you've entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards, harvest your crops, but during the seventh year the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. Lie fallow so the land can recharge. That's good farming practice. Land can get worn out if it's planted over and over and over again. It needs time to recharge. People can get worn out. 
I can, you can. We need time to recharge. Psalm 23 reminds us of this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Would you read that last phrase with me, please? He restores my soul. One more time. He restores my soul. I mean, this is what it, we're supposed to do. When we've worn out, when we're worn out, we go, oh, I just can't take anymore. Great. Set aside one day out of seven. Set aside a day to rest. Set aside a day to pray and listen. Set aside a day to get restored. Um, Scott, if you'd come up here for a minute. Uh, many of you, most of you, I would hope, would know Scott Shumpert. Scott has been with us on our staff uh, in a pastoral and ministry, ministry position from the very beginning. We've had him in student ministry and congregational care ministry and just about basically everything we can ask you to do ministry. That's okay? And so Scott has been there. Um, you have probably met him visiting you at the hospital if you've been sick. If you've lost a loved one, he has called you or come to visit you. If you've been a first-time visitor, he's the one who reached out to you. He has uh, been available 24-7 since we started this thing over seven years ago. And so if Scott has impacted your life in some way through a phone call, a personal visit, ministered to you, prayed with you, would you raise your hand right now? You've impacted a lot of people. Same thing happened at 8 o'clock. The reason I'm bringing Scott up here is, is that one of the things that we're reading about in here is that land itself can get worn out and every seven years you're supposed to let it lie fallow. Well, one of the practices that our elders uh, committed to when we first started this church was that ministerial staff are available 24-7 for ministry needs. Every seven years, we'd give them some time off, a sabbatical, extended time off to recharge, and refocus, do all the things we talked about here. And Scott and his wife, Salisa, are going to be taking us about You're going on a mission trip next week, though, right? We're going on a mission trip starting Wednesday, coming yeah. back the following Wednesday. Right, but then after that, you're gonna, a few days after that, you're going to start a sabbatical. Yeah, two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah. Are you excited about it? Oh, boy, are we. We're going to a place with no humidity. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. And so you won't be cussing when you start off. That's, That's great. True. Okay, true. good. Uh, but uh, it was interesting the other day. I, I mean, out of this list, when we talked about all these, which one of those really kind of stood out to you? I think it's rest and restore. And John, I, you know, there's there's been all kinds of symbolisms you've used in your sermons. And one of them that always comes to me and my wife gets me at, really, is this is my limit, this is my load. Do y'all, do y'all remember this? And right in between is our margin, and I find out that I'm a yes man. Yeah, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And my margin became smaller and smaller, and the things that get squeezed out in ministry is your family. And sadly to say, sometimes you... Go, I've got to get things done. I want to spend time with God. Let me run and go do that after I finish this. And man, I, I tell you, I am, I am desiring and looking forward to going and watching restoration come to my life and then come back a new person. My wife told me, she said, if we take these seven weeks and we come back and we're the same people, we have wasted this gift. And I want to tell you, it's a gift. And I my family wants to say thank you, Centerpoint, for allowing this to happen. Yeah, because you've been in ministry for 30 years, right? 31 years. Mm-hmm. That's just in full time. and We love it. We love ministry. 
But you know, one of the things you said, John, me and you were talking, you said you became John Schmidt, not Pastor John Schmidt, not whatever. I'm looking forward I didn't to becoming. Have to wear, the, wear the cape and go. Don't worry, I have a verse for that. It's okay, interesting. Yeah, it's That's true. That. It's true because the interesting <laughs> part. If we walk into Walmart, man, we my family even goes, "Oh God, Daddy's going to know somebody," <laughs> and that's a part of who I am. But a part of it is, we just get to go rest and restore. And man, we are so much looking forward to it. And the other part is, I think, in the midst of this, we get to go up and see ministry and life at a higher altitude, not just in the midst of everyday life. And then this last quarter, I'll turn 55 while I'm gone. And and my wife married a much older guy. I just want to let you all know that. But I can say, hey, what do we invest in the family? What do we invest in ministry? Because there's three questions I think you should ask John or any pastor or any of yourselves. You should be able to walk up to him and say, how's your relationship? How's your quiet time going? And give them grace when they go, man, it hasn't been going great. Be able to go, we'll pray for you for that. Now, if that happens over and over and over again, then we need to talk. But the other part is, how much time are you spending with your wife and your children? And the last one is, how's the ministry going? Because I'll promise you one thing. If number one and number two is great, number three is knocking it out of the park. But so many times we're programmed as saying, how's the ministry? What's going on? And I think it's right reverse. God's asked me to take care of my soul. God's asked me to take care of my wife and then my children. And then, man, pour my life into ministry. And I'm looking forward to that restoring time. Good. So we're going to close our service today. I'm going to have a word of prayer for all of us that God would speak to us about observing Sabbath every week. And then, after I lead us in that prayer, we're going to actually... Scott, can you give me a hand with this? Yeah. We're going to... Put this, I'll let you move that over there. We're going to put a kneeler right here in the middle. And um, for those of you on this side of the room, I'm going to ask Scott and Salisa to be kneeling right here. For those of you on this side of the room, to make a line on this side. For those of you on this side of the room, to make a line on this side. We just want you to come by, lay your hands on their shoulders, and just have a word of prayer for them. Uh, Nick, you're going to lead us in a worship song in just a second. We can sing. Myself and Debbie, I'll ask you to join me over there. We're going to be uh, over there praying for you if there's a need you have. And so... We don't want to forget about that, but um, if you, we'd love for you to come and just pray for them. We had people that stayed for a while and prayed for Scott and Salisa after the last service. And we, what would you pray for? Well, all the things we talked about, that they would trust, that they would rest, that they'd be able to reprioritize and focus. All the things we talked about, that God would use this time, that they'd come back ready to go, fully restored. So let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for Sunday. Thank you for a Sabbath day. I thank you for the folks who made worship a priority even on a holiday weekend. Most of us get the day off tomorrow. And so, Lord, I pray that over the next 36 hours here, we'd find at least one hour we could just spend time in prayer and listen to you, turning off the phone and just being quiet. I pray that we take time to get our calendars synced and maybe write out two or three things we've got to get done that are priorities. Not urgent, but important. And, Father, I pray that there would be time in this um, weekend for us to spend some relational time. Many of us have a cookout or other things with the family, and I pray that we'd make the most of it. And we'd talk and we'd listen. 
Oh God, these are our prayers. Thank you for today. Teach us to number our days. We want to be wise. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.